Before I begin my homily, I just want to throw out a, a big uh, congratulations to the Mandan Braves football team. Uh, Hard-fought hard victory. And I'm not abashed to say it, that we have the best players on the team here in this parish. We have wide receivers, we have running backs, D-line, O-line, everybody. If it wasn't for St. Joseph, Mandan Braves wouldn't really have a football team, let's be honest. <clears throat> so congratulations, we look forward to seeing them in the semifinals. This Sunday, uh, the diocese has designated Safe Haven Sunday, which means that uh, they are asking, the bishop has asked every priest whether they're going to do it or not. I don't know, but we are here at St. Joe's. Every priest is to talk on the evil of pornography. And I asked the bishop, I said, Bishop, I just talked about this a month ago. Did that count? And he said, no. You've got to do it again. <clears throat> so here we go. But before we get into that, I want to talk about the gospel because there's these words that have kind of stuck with me this whole week. And, and the words are, Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus. He wanted to see Jesus. Why? We don't know. We can guess. Maybe he's sick of the life of a tax collector. Not only is he a tax collector and hated, I don't know if you know this, but they worked for the Romans, which the Jews hated, and then they also extorted their Jewish brothers and sisters, cheating them out of their own money, which they hated them even more. On top of that, Zacchaeus, it says, is the chief tax collector. So he is like the hated man par excellence. And maybe he was just sick of it. Maybe his conscience finally got to him. Maybe he was sick of cheating people. Maybe he was just unhappy, right? Like I preached on last week, more money, more problems. I don't know. But whatever it was, there was this desire inside of Zacchaeus that he wanted to see Jesus. He didn't want to just look at him, gawk at him like the rest of Palestine. He wanted to see him. And this sight, right, drives him to climb a tree. Now, I want you to just get this in your head, how stupid this would have looked. This man is about this big, okay? <clears throat> says he's short in stature. He's modernized it. He's wearing a Versace suit. He's got a Rolex on, fine Italian leather shoes. And this guy is up in a tree trying to see this man as he comes into Jericho. It would have been absolutely and utterly humiliating. And as we hear it, it says that Zacchaeus was trying to see Jesus. It was actually Jesus that saw him. Now there's a difference, right, between seeing and looking at. And the example I was used to give my college uh, students or my high school students, I'd say, especially to the women, I'd say, ladies, which would you rather have? Would you rather be looked at or seen? And every woman in the, in the class said, I want to be seen. Because they know that looked at is objectifying. You're just seeing something. You're not seeing someone. And I would posit to you that we are a culture that looks at. We look at things. We do not behold the mystery. We don't see. And why? I think it's because, as the Russian author Dostoevsky once said, there are two ages of mankind, from the rise of man to the death of God, and from the death of God to the annihilation of man. Because when God is dead, all things are permissible. When there is no God, you can do whatever you want. And, and, the, and human dignity is gone. It's just lost. Where do you get your dignity from? I asked my confirmation kids that, and they couldn't answer. Let's see if you can. What makes you so special? What makes you just like, I just can't dispense of you? I can't just... 
you know, get rid of you. What makes you so special? Your turn. I don't know how many times we're going to go over this in my time at St. Joe's. You're eventually going to figure out when I ask you a question that you have to answer. I'm not going to. I'm not going to just give you the answer. What gives you dignity? What's up? Our faith. You're a child of God. We are created in His image and like that was my mom, by the way. You should all be ashamed. <clears throat> We are created in the image and likeness of God. That's what gives us dignity. Without God, there, what is the point? You're just another animal. Deer hunting's right around the corner. Animals aren't created in the image and likeness of God. And that's why it's a national holiday in North Dakota. <laughs> but we are. John Paul II said there are three qualities of the human person. We are indispensable, unrepeatable, and irreplaceable. You are created by a loving God who cares about you. So you are, dis- you are indispensable. You matter. And you're unrepeatable. There's only one of you. There will never be another one. And some of you might say, thank God. But you are the only you that will ever exist. And because of that, you're irreplaceable. You You have a part to play in this whole thing. This human drama. This is the vision of God. This is how God sees. And so when Jesus looks at Zacchaeus, he sees an indispensable man, an irrepeatable man, and an irreplaceable man. And that's what allows him to love. And that's what allows Zacchaeus to see, just not to look at Jesus, but to see into him. And the power that Jesus has. But we, we, we as, a, as a society, we look at, we gawk at things. And I want to posit that I think one of the main things that is causing this in our society is pornography. <clears throat> it is causing us to not see the dignity of the human person. How could it? In pornography, all that's held up to you is a physical thing. For your pleasure, your satisfaction. All we look at is a body. John Paul II, again, said it so well when he said, the problem with porn is not that it shows too much. It shows too little. It shows nothing of the dignity of man or the dignity of woman. And when this happens, you will see the degradation of humanity. When you lose the dignity of the human person, you lose everything. And most, expect, most specifically, you will see the degradation of the woman, which we are seeing, it's out of control. It's out of control. I just recently read an article that said this line, behind the eyes of every person on the pornographic screen is a story that if you knew, you would weep. The overwhelming number of women in the porn industry have been sexually abused as children. They have no fathers. Statistically, it says to perform before the camera, both actors and actresses have to be drunk or high to do it. This is why I get so angry when people make the argument, well, nobody's getting hurt. In real sexual intimacy, people can get hurt. You know, families can be broken up. Really? Nobody's getting hurt? Listen to this. 
A former actress from Playboy said, it took me 20 years to undo the harm that was caused to me in the industry. And a friend of mine in the industry had to have all of her reproductive organs removed because of the diseases she got from the industry. Another porn star said, I had to quit porn after my sixth abortion. I couldn't take it anymore. No one's getting hurt. Not to mention the people viewing it that are just, it's destroying their marriages. Children viewing it. First exposure, nine years old now. No one's getting hurt. Not to mention the overwhelming mortality rate that is on the rise of these actors and actresses. Some people that are on the computer screen are dead in the ground. That's how broken this industry is. One former actor said it best. He said, pornography is the playpen of the damned. The playpen of the damned. And so our movement in our hearts shouldn't be one of lust when we see these people. It should be one of pity. We should pity these people because they're so broken. It's all about the heart. Everything is in the heart. Pornography is just a branch of the plant of lust that has deep roots. And that's why Jesus knew it. Remember, he said, you have heard it said that if you commit adultery, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you, if you even look at a man or a woman with lust in your heart, you've already committed adultery. He knew it was a battle of the heart because whoever wins the heart wins the body, the imagination, the mind, the soul for eternity. It's here where the healing needs to begin. And in every battle, there is a decisive moment. In military history, we see this all the time. If you look at, they're decisive, but they're bloody. Look at D-Day. D-Day was a bloody battle, but it was decisive. After that battle, things began to really massively change. There was a line in Braveheart, if you've ever seen it, when one of the English military leaders says, if William Wallace can sack York, he can invade all of Lower England. Or my favorite in Gladiator, When the leader of the gladiator slaves, he says to Maximus, he says, win the crowd, win your freedom. There is always a decisive battle. And it goes on in every heart of every person in here. Because whether you struggle with porn or not, I guarantee you struggle with lust. That is always there. And that is the heart of the problem. The battle to overcome the pornography machine is in the heart and it's learning how to see to stop looking at but to see and behold the mystery of the human c.s lewis one of my favorite authors he once said for me the real evil of the porn industry and masturbation is that it allows a man or a woman to have a harem of imaginary spouses and this harem once admitted works against his or her ever really uniting with another person For the harem is always accessible, always subservient, never says no, calls for no sacrifice, no adjustment, no mortification. In the end, this harem of imaginary spouses becomes merely the medium through which the person increasingly adores themselves. Themselves. It's a cage. It's a slavery. I don't know if you know anybody that struggles with this. I know a ton. 
I work with young men and young women. I work with married people. I work with all types. It's across the game. Right now, the statistics would say 75% of this church is either looking at it weekly or addicted to it. That is staggering. And if you have that in your life, you can't love. How can you? It's showing the, op- the, the porn industry shows us the exact opposite of love. If I asked you what the opposite of love is, what would you say? Hate, wrong. Thanks for answering though, appreciate it. The opposite of love is use. When you use somebody for your own pleasure. And that, when that happens, you get into a cage, man. You, get, you become a slave to this stuff. I don't know if you've ever seen The Lord of the Rings, but in there there's this scene. And Eowyn, who is the daughter of the king, Theoden, she wants to fight in the battle that's coming up. And the king says, you will not fight. And so she, as she's packing up, getting ready, she slides a sword and a sheath into the saddle. And Aragorn, the, new, the king to come, sees it and he puts his hand on the saddle. And he says, you cannot fight. And she turns, just fire in her eyes. I love it. She's like, I fear no man. And then Aragon says this, he says, what do you fear, my lady? And she says this, I fear a cage. I fear being locked up until all chance for honor and glory and valor are gone. And I die of old age in my bed. Why are we lacking fire in the world? Because we're lacking love. And why are we lacking love? Because this world is a world of lust. And when you don't have love, you don't do great things. This can be undone. You can break out of the cage. Zacchaeus did. He wanted out of the cage. He was sick of it. But he did something. He says it's, he stood his ground when everybody was at his throat. And he said, I will give away half of everything I own. And I will repay fourfold those that I have cheated. You know what he's essentially saying? I will give away everything. Because I have found the one thing that means more to me than this whole whole stupid world and Jesus says behold salvation has come to this man you can do it your kids can do it your family can do it we have to do it it's killing us you need to do whatever is necessary to get out of the cage or you will live there forever because until we change we won't see right Do you know what is the first words of John's gospel and the first words of Jesus in John's gospel? Anybody, just raise your hand. What are the first words that Jesus speaks in John's gospel? Anybody? No. There you go. What do you want? It's the first words. He said, John and Andrew are following him at a distance because they don't want to get too close because Jesus is dangerous. And he turns and he says, what do you want? And they say to him, essentially, what's it like to live with you? And this translation that we have, Jesus says, come and see. But that's not the right translation. The actual translation is, come and become one who sees. Until you're connected to him, you don't see correctly. You want to know how God sees? 
how Jesus sees. You want to see correctly? Get united to him. And you will see that that is the key. The cross is the key that unlocks the cage. And you can and will be free. My challenge to you, you guys, this, this week, wherever you're at in this struggle, and we have books at the exits of all, all, the, all the exits that have resources that you can help maybe yourself, your kids, your family, a friend. I don't know. Take one. But my challenge is wherever you're at in this struggle, don't you ever give up. Don't you ever settle for the cage. Because freedom is real. And it's a struggle. And it's bloody. But the decisive battle in your heart is, will you give up? Because the minute you give up, the war is over. Do what needs to be done. So you will become one who truly sees.